station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. Here we are recording in a back hallway at the Trilon <laughs> Micro Cinema in preparation for our first live event at the Trilon. We are super excited. Uh, I am Tim Wick, your host, joined as always by my co-hosts, the grand guru of all things movies, <laughs> Melissa Kersher. Hello. <laughs> I, I did. I did a guru thing with my hands. She did. It was very that, impressive. That, it's it's it. great radio, I tell you. And and the uh, lowly uh, oh. peon who sits at the feet young of the guru. Padawan. The young Padawan. The young I've used Padawan. Okay. I was trying to come um, up with that. Um, the, Anyway, the person, the, ignorant. the person who the, the ignorant one who sits the one at the feet seeking of the guru. Truth. Ah, nice. <laughs> oh. Seeker of truth, Jenna like Young. That's Nicely me. done. So uh, we are here at the Trilon to watch on the big screen Bridge on the River Kwai. Yay, so of course yay. the first thing we have to do with any movie is ask Jenna, Jenna, what do you know about Bridge on the River Kwai? Here's what I know. Um, is that it takes place in some kind of a war camp. Uh, over in Japan uh, from, I believe, World War II. And they have to make a bridge for some reason. That's what I know. You know that. That's pretty good. There is a bridge. There is a bridge. It was made like in the 60s, 70s, 60s. I want to say 60s. Okay. Um, Okay. And, yeah. Uh, oh, and it has some guy named McGinnis in it or something. It's not a McGinnis character. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. Well, not okay. the character, but yeah. the actor the, playing the character. Yeah, I'm sure he was quite the character. <laughs> yes. He, yes, he was. He is sadly no longer with us. Yes. But, uh, so yeah, uh, there is a bridge. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel that that really spoils anything I, about this know. film. Yeah. That there is a bridge, and it in fact does go over the River Kwai. Yes. Ooh. So those those two bits, you know, maybe they're spoilers. Maybe they should have named the film something else, so you didn't know about the bridge. But there is in fact a bridge on the River Kwai, and this movie is indeed about that bridge. Yay! Yay! So, uh, it is directed by David Lean. And we have seen another David Lean film during yes, our quest in Real Education. It's, it's, Do you it's remember a, which one oh God, it was, Jenna? Oh God, I didn't it, know that was going to be a test. No, no, I'll, I'll give you hints. It's it's also about a British guy who goes to a foreign land uh, and deals with a lot of people who are not white. Um, it's also a very long movie. What, uh, what? Is it Lawrence of Arabia? It Lawrence is of Arabia! Arabia. Yeah, there yes. you go. Yes, so David Lean I directed can, both I Lawrence of Arabia. I can answer context questions. You can, you can, yeah. you can. I, I figured it, it'd be a good one, but yes, uh, Bridge on the River Kwai is also a movie made by David Lean. It's also very large in scope and uh, also swept the Academy Awards the year it came out. It won seven Oscars, and uh, including one for Sir Alec Guinness, who you... <laughs> Who you already mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. the man uh, most people know as Obi Wan Kenobi. They do, yes. mm-hmm. much to his chagrin near the end of his life. Most yeah. people knew him as Obi Wan Kenobi, in spite of a fine, fine, large amount of work that he mm-hmm. had done uh, before. Yes, the Star Wars trilogy came out. Mr. Guinness had had done a few other things. Uh, other actors, uh, the uh, and I'm now I'm losing his name from uh, from uh, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, William Holden. William Holden 
is mm-hmm. also in this film. We've seen him in Sunset Boulevard. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Funny um, that. Funny that. There are not a whole lot of women in this film. Nope. There, there was one kind of shoe shoehorned in, but you know yeah. we'll get into that later. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's it's about men in a POW camp. So. So there aren't too many women in POW camps. Yeah. Uh, in World War Two, at least not in uh, this particular POW camp. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's um certainly. David Lean is known for doing these big epic films. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're going to get here. And we are going to get a couple of very fine actors. Yes. In our in our lead roles. And uh, a very fine uh, supporting actor, mm-hmm. which we will talk about later, who, who came over from Japan to play a very important role. Yes. Uh, what else do we want to say? You know, uh, I think I think we can just leave it there and go watch the movie. We can just leave it there and go watch the movie. Yeah. So, Excellent. I uh, want popcorn. Yes, the, the popcorn here is very good. Yeah, we're going to have popcorn and we're going to watch a movie and then when we get done, we are going to record at the Trilon Micro Cinema. And this is hopefully the first of many, yes. many real education uh, podcasts that will be recorded at the Trilon Micro Cinema. Uh, we hope that you came out and listened to us there. And if you didn't, we hope that the podcast makes you want to come to the next one. Yay! Would you just hit the plunger, Margaret? And we are back. We've just finishing watching, finished watching Bridge on the River Kwai with uh, several people, uh, many of whom stuck around to record with us afterwards. Hello, people who stuck Yay! around. Yay! Uh, as is what we do at the beginning of uh, the second half of every episode. Uh, Jenna, uh, we would like you to share with us your impressions, having now seen Bridge on the River Kwai for the first time. Uh, I feel horribly defeated. <laughs> but, the, but the good guys won. But but at what cost, Tim? There's at what always cost? there is a cost to victory. We must remember that. I, I, I love that all of the characters achieved exactly what they wanted and failed at the same time. Yeah. 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 It, it's uh, it's you got to be very specific on those wishes. Yeah. You know, when you get the genie <laughs> in the lamp, you got to really just say exactly what you want. Don't precisely. Don't yeah. give room for, for error. So uh, the, I, I think what we have to talk about first, just because it's the last thing that happens in the movie, and it's the most awesome. Th- there are many awesome yeah. things about this movie, but the most <laughs> awesome thing ever is when they blow up that bridge and train at the end of the movie, they blew up an actual bridge and train. What? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. That it was is, the real thing. That, that is that not, was not a model. not a fucking model. They, they started building the bridge before they cast the movie. It took months and months and months. Oh to build. my god! And, and they bought a sixty a, a train that had seen sixty five years of service under an Indian maharaja, and oh they drew they oh drove they drove the train onto the bridge and then they blew up the bridge. So this just got so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that you watch the movie and you're thinking, well, that's got to be an effect. It's got to be a model effect or, or something like. Well, something. at the time that they made it, it would have to be a model, model effect. effect. And it's like, yeah. nope, they built an actual bridge, they put an actual train on it, and they blew the shit out of it, yep. which is pretty freaking cool. That that's kind of that. I mean. 
David Lean's a guy who said, I'm going to make a movie about a guy in the desert that's going to last four hours. And he managed to make it work. So if he's going to make a movie about a bunch of people blowing up a bridge, he's going to blow up the bridge. Yep. That's just that that's just what you got to do. So, uh, um, and, and, you know, one take. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, they they were so concerned that... Uh, that That was, <laughs> that was magical. Everybody in the booth is like, oh my god, I'm sorry. It's cool. okay, guys. It's, 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 cool. Cool. it's cool. Okay, so... That's the, how you know it's live. <laughs> they were very concerned that after they had um, filmed all of this stuff at great expense that something would happen to the footage. So they actually flew the footage to London in five different planes. To, oh my god. To doubly ensure that at least some of it got there. Oh my god! It's like a they, they, super secret agent, like oh, covert operation. Well, the the even crazier thing about this was that um, they filmed in Ceylon, okay. which had no film processing plants. Mm -hmm. So they had to ship the footage every day from Ceylon to London, where it was processed. Then it'd be shipped back to Ceylon for the daily, so they knew what they were filming. Oh my god! So it would, you know, by the time they got to blowing up the bridge, they wanted to make extra sure nothing happened to that footage. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did they do all of that shipping? Like, do you use regular shipping for that? Oh, it was I, like you don't FedEx that. Like, they, yeah. they had to use God. They, they, would, they would fly. Yeah. What, what year was this made? 1957. Okay. So it was close, not quite. Yep. Yeah, and you so said 60s. I said 60s. Yeah, yes. you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, it's, it's a near decade. Yeah, this was the movie that David Lean made immediately before Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. So, like, he made this and with Sam Spiegel. Wanna, so, like, this was his prep movie. Made, this was his prep movie for Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> he made so that's this. only 240 minutes. He made this. Yeah. He won a wheelbarrow full of Oscars and yeah. then made Lawrence of Arabia so he could, I guess, fill another wheelbarrow or something. You know. Yes. Uh, it, it's it's interesting. I, I the Alec Guinness character is fascinating in that he's right for most of the film, mm -hmm. right up until the point that he's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got that doctor character who's constantly going, "Are you really sure you want to build the bridge that good?" Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then, and, yeah. And 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 the character offers really good excuses for why they should build the bridge that good. Mm -hmm. But there's still the fact that you really shouldn't build the bridge that good. Yeah. Uh, because, and, and what happens is, it's not so much about doing a good job building the bridge, it's about the fact that he's so proud of the bridge, yeah. he's unable to perceive that he really is aiding the enemy. Yeah, to the point yeah. that at the very end, he literally aids the enemy. Yeah. And you're you're just like, holy crap! You've been warned about this the whole time. To be fair, it's a really good bridge. It's a great yeah, bridge. It's, it's a fantastic, a fantastic bridge. bridge. I love that Pride is the undoing of both of those main characters. Yeah. Both, both Saito and, and Nicholson. You know, they're, they're constantly at odds, but they have the exact same problem. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and then you've got uh, the William Holden character who... It's kind of interesting because the movie wants... Well, no, I don't think it wants to. You have the Nicholson character who is perceived as the hero. And you have sure. the, the Holden's character who's perceived as kind of the ne'er-do-well. Yeah. Uh, and at the end, we see a transfer, essentially, of heroic 
of, of heroism from one to the other, where mm-hmm. Holden's character is actually sacrificing himself mm-hmm. for a cause that at the beginning of the movie he didn't believe in. Yeah. Where theoretically Nicholson has believed in this cause the entire time mm-hmm. and has completely forgotten what it means to serve that cause. Yeah. Until it is very nearly too late. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know if I think I think if this movie was made today, they probably wouldn't have the bridge get destroyed. It'd be like, well, he blew it. Well, um, I mean, there there's precedent for the bridge not having been destroyed because this was actually based on a real incident, and actually the Mm -hmm. people involved in the real incident were really furious at the book that this was based on and the movie because it really has very little bearing on what actually So this is happened. like what? four stories down. No, like, yeah, yeah, it kind of yeah. bad telephone. As, for as much as I love this narrative, um, what what had actually happened was um, there was a real Saito and he was actually um, considered one of the most humanistic of the Japanese prisoner of war camp commanders. Oh, okay. And um, the man that Nicholson is based on was a gentleman named Tuhi. I think it was. And he, in Tuhi, was, um, did work with Saito, but not as a, you know, not as, like, a collaborator. He was very, he, he agreed to help build the bridge, but, you know, at night they were, like, collecting termite mounds and putting them on the wood of the bridge. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) They were trying to, uh, you know, sabotage the bridge without making it look like they were sabotaging the bridge. Sure, that makes sense. But... Um, apparently, Saito was pre- actually pretty good to them and was willing to, to negotiate to the point that when Saito was captured as a Japanese officer and put on trial for war crimes, Tuhi actually testified in his defense. Oh. And Saito was not hanged. Nice. And so um, when Tuhi passed away in 1975, I think it was, Saito actually traveled to England to visit his grave and pay his respects. So. There was kind of a romance there in a sort of a weird way. Um, also, uh, yes, the, the wooden bridge was indeed built. It actually mm-hmm. lasted for two years and was destroyed in an Allied bombing run. Oh. It was not the only bridge built by that company. There was actually a second bridge on the same river. It was made of steel and is still standing today. So there's two bridges on the river Clyde. There are two bridges on the river Clyde. <laughs> At this point, there are probably more than there, two bridges on the well, river Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> so what we're learning once again is that when somebody says that a movie is based on a true story, what they are actually saying is this movie is fiction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And indeed, this movie is fiction—a fictionalized account of something that actually never happened. Yeah, based on based on a book that was a fictionalized account of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like a few steps out. Oh man. Uh, the man who wrote the book, by the way, was Pierre Boulet, I think is how you pronounce it. Who was the same guy who wrote Planet of the Apes. Oh. Which. Okay. Uh, Okay, yes. somebody. Yes. Uh, you yes. just said uh, this movie is fiction. Yes. Uh, did the Japanese really try to get uh, eighteen hundred miles uh, down the coast to Ceylon? That part I don't. Well, know. Well, the thing is, the the camp was actually in Thailand. They filmed in Ceylon. They weren't able to film in Thailand. So the the uh, the the official the original historical the, the actual camp. historical one was in Thailand. But. They filmed in Ceylon because that's where they could film. Because mm-hmm. that's how it works sometimes, right? Yes. So what other trivia do you have for to share with us, Melissa? Um, let's see. The real bridge, uh, 100,000 conscripted uh, Asian laborers worked on it. 
and 12,000 POWs died. That's, wow. that's the numbers I got. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, Malcolm Arnold, who scored the film, scored the film in 10 days. <laughs> they, they were, what? Yes, in 10 days, and he won an Oscar for it. What the fuck? Hey, you know, if you yeah, can do that in 10 days, you win an Oscar. That's, well, that's the way yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, sometimes those rush jobs are To be fair, like I could awesome. score a film in 10 days. It wouldn't be worth anything. I said if you could score a film like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, can so I tell you the thing that annoys me about that that movie? It's it's the one thing that gets on my nerves as a as a percussionist. Okay. It's that they're not marching in time with the whistling. Yes. Oh my god, that drove me crazy. Every time, yes. every time they start whistling and they're marching, I'm like, how can you not figure it out? How can you not march in time with the whistling? Oh, I just want to strangle whoever is doing the whistling that they couldn't do the whistling in time with the marching. But of course, you know, you've got the Foley artist that's doing the marching and the scoring that's the whistling. And, yeah. and those were probably done at completely different times. So yeah. neither one of them was trying to figure out the timing, and so it just doesn't work, and, and that makes me makes me twitch. It really does. <laughs> the, the song, by the way, is the Colonel Colonel Bogey March, which is a military march, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, but. The reason it got in there was originally when they were supposed to, when they were marching into camp, David Lean wanted them to sing Hitler's Only Got One Ball, ha. which has the same tune. Hitler has only, yeah. <laughs> now you're throwing Has me. only one big ball. Oh. No, yeah. no, no, I got it, I got it. Yeah. Hold on, I got it right here. <laughs> oh, God. Hold on, hold on. I, I, I had a goal today. Hitler has only got one ball gearing. Has two, but they're very small. Himmler has something similar, but old Goebbels has no balls at all. <laughs> Not that I can sing, but there you go. Yeah, Hitler's only got one ball. That is okay because they're going into a Japanese prisoner of war camp, so why would they be upset? Yeah, about really. But the, the oh, studio yeah. wouldn't let him do that, so huh. I mean, Aww. let it go is that's why they it's history. agreed to whistle it. It's history. Yeah. yeah. yeah totally. Uh, so, does anybody have any questions or comments? Raise your hand and let us call on you, if you would, so that we don't kind of have everybody talking. Yes? Um, one thing that I noticed when watching this film a couple of times is sort of the futility of it all. <laughs> the theme of the, all this effort for the bridge and then all the effort to destroy it and they all come together and then nobody... Oh, like you said at the beginning, everybody gets sort of what they want, but also not at the same time. Do you think that that was intended as sort of a commentary on the nature of war itself? Absolutely. Well, when you got the doctor at the end saying madness, yeah. madness, madness a couple of times, I'm, it, it, it doesn't even seem all that subtle mm-hmm. uh, that, that there's a certain commentary on the futility of war, on the fact that, that they sent these men out to destroy a target. But in the process of doing that, they destroyed those men. They destroyed their lives. They took their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only one to return is the one that basically brought them out there in the first place. Uh, there's the fact that Bogey is, not Bogey, Nicholson is so concerned with the discipline of his men and maintaining his men as soldiers that it doesn't occur to him that what he's doing is helping the enemy win the war that he's fighting against them. He's been ordered to surrender. We're never told what the reason for Mm -hmm. that order is. But we can't have to assume it's not to help build that bridge. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. The English are very helpful folk. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah, they're very charming. They are. Uh, does anybody else have any questions or comments or anything? Yes. I have yes. a question about a scene with Sato when he's uh, got the calligraphy in front of him and he's pulling the knife on him. Like, oh, crap, he's going to pull Harry Carey. Yeah. Because I thought he was going to kill himself for some reason. Then he cuts off his hair. What was this? The, um, the, the top knot is very significant in the um, uh, process of committing ritual suicide, actually. It, um, a source of pride in the samurai is the, is the little top knot. And when they cut it off, it's, it's because they have been shamed. Uh, you, you also see that in Seven, Seven Samurai, that part of the... Um, the big deal with the lead in Sem- Seven Samurai is when he goes in disguised as a monk, he cuts off the top knot, and everybody goes, oh, because samurai don't do that, because that's a serious thing. So he was preparing to kill himself, and, you know, in the scene when he's later on the bridge, you see him taking the knife out like he's going to do it on the bridge. It seems like but. he's going to do it once the train passes. Mm-hmm. At least that's kind of my yeah, guess. Yeah, like he was getting ready for it, and then he gets distracted by Nicholson. So he doesn't even get to... He doesn't even get to kill himself. Kill Somebody else kills him. <laughs> it's just... God, God damn it, everybody. He's such... He he's wanted death. He wasn't specific enough. This is the problem with the wishes of the genie. Yeah. So there's a thing. Yeah. He, too, got what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah. Not in the way he really right? wanted. Right? You've got to be specific. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Any other questions? Yes. Did Alec Guinness intentionally fall on the plunger? Did Alec Guinness intentionally fall on the plunger? As in, so, do yeah. we feel that Nicholson, I, I, that certainly seemed to be what his goal was. Mm-hmm. His goal, I mean, he had that last moment, he had he's that got moment that realization of, what have I, done? of, I must now destroy the bridge. I would question whether or not that the fall was intentional, that he aimed his fall towards the plunger or if it was simply intended to be uh, lucky. I, I don't know. What yeah, do you, lucky what do you death. Think? I think it's deliberately left ambiguous. Yeah. I think so yeah. too, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, clearly his intent was to get there, but not, in that way. not necessarily in that <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. But if he hadn't have waited, the train wouldn't have been on the bridge yet. And so, I mean, not waited, but... Yeah. Failed the fall yeah. until that moment. That might have been dramatic. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> movie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, any other questions or comments? All righty. Okay. Do you have anything else, Melissa? Because I think we're getting to the end. Of I, th- our I think we are. I mean, I've got a, I got a bunch of random stuff I could talk yeah. about. Yeah. All right. Random. But, but you know, um, movie did win stuff on Oscars. It won Best Picture, Best Director, uh, Best Actor. Best screenplay. Oh, ooh, that's a good one. I'll get. I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. Best music, <laughs> which I talked about. Best editing. Best cinematography and best supporting actor for uh, Sosu Hayakawa. Not best no. actress. No. <laughs> no. Not really. Not really. No. Uh, the the screenplay, best adapted screenplay Oscar was really interesting because this film was written by two blacklisted writers. Um, I'll need to look at their names. Michael Wilson and Carl Foreman both worked on the screenplay and they were on the Hollywood blacklists as communists so they couldn't be credited for the movie so you never saw their name anywhere in the credits the only writer that was credited was Pierre Boulet who wrote the novel 
So when the Oscar was handed out, they couldn't hand it out to guys who weren't credited on the film, so it wound up being handed to an author who never worked on the screenplay and who didn't speak English. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Retroactively, I think it was in 1984, they did the Academy did uh, retroactive Oscars for the two screenwriters. Okay. Were they alive at the time? One of them was. Well, oh, you know, <laughs> that's that's half That's half okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know. Oh, I got uh, two things. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I liked how uh, they uh, talked about uh, two countries that no longer exist. Mm-hmm. The uh-huh. Siam and Ceylon. Yeah. And... Uh, David Lean uh, really went out of his way to get uh, half a dozen uh, female uh, Siamese ladies mm-hmm. that uh, went all uh, Stockholm Syndrome on the bottom huh. trip. I really <laughs> like that part. It's interesting, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was very interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, also, uh, also interesting. David Lean didn't hire any extras for the movie. He, uh, instead of using extras, he just dressed up the crew, <laughs> and he needed extra people. Oh my god! Which that's means fantastic. there were there were actually a lot of extras who were put into white face, so they looked Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David Lean. I feel like I should be offended for some reason, but I'm not. Like, like, mm. like, just, just the the whole. Painting of the face should be like an offensive thing, as opposed to yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, usually it goes in the other direction, right. which is why it's so novel. It's very delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna do final thoughts, Melissa. Do you have any final thoughts on the movie? Um, let's see. Nope. No nope. way. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, let's see. Do I have anything left? Um, apparently, some of the the footage was lost for about two weeks and was found in a uh, it's sitting on an airport runway in Cairo, sitting baking in the sun. Apparently, oh it was God. fine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Dope. Oh, and the leeches were obviously real. Sweet. Oh. Yeah. Oh. All right, that's oh, what oh, I, I. I got a good one. I got a good one. The real bridge was bombed by a man named uh, Paul Piccarini, I think it was. Yeah. Or. I might be mispronouncing it, but Paul Piccarini, who later became an an actor and was in films such as The Untouchables. There you go. Wow. Good job, Paul. Yeah. Uh, Jenna, final thoughts on Bridge on the River Kwai. Um, good show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that came up Jolly good. so many. Jolly, Jolly good. good. Good show. <laughs> Could we have some tea? Well, I just, well, well, ex- <laughs> it was lovely. well exploded. Oh, I, I just, I loved just, just how. Right then, <laughs> everything yeah. was just just how very British it was. Very British, yes. So fantastic, maybe exaggerated slightly, uh, but just yeah, watching watching how that affected the way things took place was it just it made me giggle inside. <laughs> so my final thoughts is number one to say thank you very much for the tri- to the Trilon for letting yes. us host uh, our next. Uh, movie at the Trilon is still kind of in negotiation, so we can't say what it's going to be yet. Our yep, next episode on. of Real Education, and uh, for those of you that are new, Real Education comes out on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can find us at realedu, that's R-E-E-L-E-D-U dot com. In our next episode, we are going to have two guest hosts join us to Ooh. talk about David Lynch's Dune. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was a spectacular evening of spectacular. Yeah. So until next time, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you later. Yay.
hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.